this Advent, the messages are not too terribly different from previous Advents in that they all are talking about this coming of Christ into the world, not just as the baby in the manger, but also this second advent of Christ, this second coming of Christ into the world. And it's the second coming that John the Baptist is referring to when he's there at the banks of the Jordan and he's addressing these crowds of people that have come to be baptized. And Bobby just read from Luke 3 this account. There's a little bit um, different language that's used in other versions of the Bible. And this version is from the message. Hear what it has to say about that same account. It says, when crowds of people came out for baptism because it was the popular thing to do, John exploded, brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if he wants. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. And so the crowd asked him, then what are we supposed to do? John said, if you have two coats, give one away. He said, do the same with your food. Tax men also came to be baptized and they said, teacher, what should we do? And he told them, no more extortion. Collect only what is required by law. And then soldiers asked him, what should we do? He told them, no more shakedowns, no more blackmail. Be content with the rations you have been given. And so the interest of the people by now was building. They were all beginning to wonder, could this John be the Messiah? But John intervened. He said, I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I am a mere stagehand, he will ignite the kingdom life a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. There was a lot more of this, words that gave strength to the people, words that put heart into them, the message. So here we are on this third Sunday of Advent, eight, can you believe it, eight short days. Is that right? Is it really eight days from Christmas Eve? Oh, wow. I'm not ready. <laughs> My goodness. And so 
if it is eight short days from Christmas Eve, is your schedule full? Yeah? Is your shopping done? No. I told Angela if she didn't get me a list of what she wanted very quickly, she was getting a train. <laughs> and I will enjoy watching it go around the layout. Are you preparing your home for guests this Christmas? Are you getting ready to travel or to visit friends? In other words, is it a busy time of year for us? It's a happy time, a time of joyous expectation, a time of hope. It's all those things, isn't it? For John the Baptist, in this passage, you see, it's just 30 years, give or take, since the time of the first advent of the Messiah into the world of humankind, coming into the world at a time when humanity had lost its way and there was this desperate need for a Savior. And so in this passage, 30 years later, the infant Messiah has grown into manhood by now and is on the dawn of his earthly ministry. It won't be long before Jesus shows up on the banks of the Jordan to receive his baptism from John the Baptist. And so in this time, there were some that were looking for the Messiah, but they were looking in all the wrong places. And so we look at 2018, Christmas. 2,000 plus years later, not much has changed with the state of humanity since John's day. We're still in desperate need of a Savior. Many are searching. And now, just like then, most of them are looking in all the wrong places. That's why there's probably a few empty seats in most churches across the country this morning. Because people are looking for something in all the wrong places. But for those of us who know Jesus personally, those of us who have him in our hearts... We have a special blessing at this time of year because we get to see the real joy of the Advent season. It's that hope that's promised to us in the gospel message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, in the time of John the Baptist, the message of the coming Christ was good news to many. It was hopeful for many, but it was not so good news to others, depending on which side of the righteousness fence you stood. John's message was not sugar-coated. I mean, you brood of vipers was his greeting to the people that showed up on the shores of the Jordan that day seeking to be baptized because it had become a fad. It was the thing to do. You can see in all the social circles, people gather around, have you been baptized yet? Yeah. It's kind of like the ice bucket challenge was a few years ago. Have you done the ice bucket challenge? John's life was simple. And it was counter-cultural. 
He was radically different in his lifestyle, how he dressed. He chose to live his life in this righteous opposition to the corruption of the world, even the corruption that had come to rest in the temple with the high priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. His message was countercultural as he proclaimed that something new, very new, very different was about to break in to the fallen world in such a glorious, magnificent way that the world would be forever changed. And he wasn't quiet and he wasn't gentle in his delivery of the message. He was brutally honest. It was a promise and it was a warning I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's not sugar-coated. What does fire do? It consumes. It purifies. It burns up the dry and the dead. It reduces it to ash. And the idea of the coming Messiah is both wonderful and terrifying depending on your perspective. John's prophetic words were troubling and harsh and they carried the weight of conviction and they tore open the hearts of humankind and exposed whatever was inside to the light of truth the way truth always does. You see, many of the Jewish people in John's day had this fatal flaw in their character. And it was that they believed themselves to be untouchable, bulletproof, as it were, irreplaceable in God's plan, and therefore somehow exempt from the need for a Savior. We are the children of Abraham, they would say. But John had this response that cut them to the bone. He says, God is able to make children of Abraham from stones if he wants to. You're nothing special. Don't think you're special. Don't think your lineage makes you a protected class because it doesn't. What counts is how you live your life. What counts is where you place your faith. What counts is what you believe and in whom you believe. And the thing is that John's message is just as valid here and now as it was back then. It applies to us, whether we choose to receive it or not. John's message was of such a nature, that of warning and conviction. And if it's warning and conviction, why does the scripture call it good news? Brood of vipers is hardly good news, is it? But the good news is here for you. And I want these words to be just as plain as the nose on my face. The love of Jesus is calling you right now. In fact, it's calling everyone that's outside of these walls even now. Because God's grace and his mercy are being extended to people at this very moment. Christmas time. But the time is short. And so the message, along with being one of hope in Jesus Christ, needs to also be, don't wait till the last minute. 
because Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, the Bible says, he will sort out the people into two groups, Christ followers and everyone else. And at that point, all of the human arguments for tolerance and diversity and universalism and inclusion, all of those arguments from the human sense will be null and void. For those who insist on perpetuating the lie that there is no absolute truth and that all religions are the same and that everyone can find their own way to heaven on their own terms, well, that lie will be over and done with. It will be proved to be a lie. And so we have to heed the message from Matthew 25 we have to consider carefully that, that our pride and our false humanistic sense of what is justice and equality, all of those things that the world says are right are worthless rags compared to the holy righteousness of God. And I know this is an inconvenient truth, but it's truth nonetheless. Matthew says, when he finally arrives... Blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. That always makes congregations uncomfortable because they're thinking, which side am I sitting on? doesn't have anything to do with where you're sitting at the moment. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I have to pause here a moment. It just occurred to me. I was at the hospital, uh, Houston Methodist, down in the medical center, on call on Friday night this week. And it was about 2 a.m., and I'd just come out of the emergency room seeing patients over there, and it was, it was a mess. And as I came out of the emergency room, I was hungry. And so I knew that the cafeteria was open until 2.45 in the morning, so I thought I'd just swing in there and get something to eat. And as you come out of the emergency room, you walk down this long corridor, and you eventually end up in the main lobby, and it's decked out for Christmas like you wouldn't believe. And as I turned the corner to go down the hallway to the cafeteria, I noticed that there was a woman in a big puffy coat and a hat pulled down over her ears and as I walked down the hallway I could hear her footsteps behind me she wasn't walking when I passed her she was just standing there at the intersection of the lobby and the hallway to the cafeteria but I could hear her behind me and it had to be her because there wasn't anybody else around and I could hear her following me and it was kind of weird and kind of creepy in a way and I got into the cafeteria, and they have this long refrigerated section where you can pick up a salad or whatever. And I was standing there wondering what I was hungry for. 
And I hear this small voice, excuse me. And I turned and it was this woman, sure enough. And she looked up at me. She couldn't have been more than four and a half feet tall. It was the funniest thing. And she looked at me and she had these big sunken brown eyes and she said can you help me get something to eat and so I said yes just pick whatever you want and we'll take it up and pay for it together and so she chose what she wanted and she said may I get something to drink also and I said just pick whatever you want it's okay And so I I did something that every instinct in my body was saying, don't do this, don't do this. But I invited her to sit down with me and have dinner. And as we sat there and she devoured chicken strips and french fries, making me wish I had chosen chicken strips and french fries, (laughs) she... She shared with me that she has been told all of her adult life that she was mentally ill. And so I asked her, why have you been told you're mentally ill? What have they said to you? And she said, I keep telling them that I'm saved. And that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And that he died for me on the cross. And that because of that, I have eternal life with him in heaven. Those were her exact words. As clearly as it could ever be spoken, she proclaimed to me the gospel and that she had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I told her... It's the world, the fallen, broken world that's crazy. You are in your right mind. And she smiled and she ate her last french fry. She thanked me and she got up and she left. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. Not even necessarily a physical room in the end, but room in your heart. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you a drink when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you then the king will say i'm telling the solemn truth whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored that was me you did it to me and then he will turn to the goats the ones on his left and say get out worthless goats you're good for nothing but the fires of hell and why because i was hungry And you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. You know, I I could have turned a blind eye to this woman. She would have been so easy to overlook. She wasn't even tall enough to come into eyesight unless you looked down at her. 
I could have just given her money and let it go at that. But the Holy Spirit would not let that happen. Conviction made me stay and spend time. The, the pager that I carry around that tells me where to go next had been going off all night. That's why I was still up at 2 a.m. But the entire time, from the time that I met her till when she finished her last french fry, the pager didn't go off once. And it wasn't until she got up and thanked me and left that the pager started going off again. It was silent until her story was told. And then when it was told, it went off again. That was telling to me. I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visited. And then... These goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? You were so short and, and unimportant. And he will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. And then Matthew says, then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. And so the good news is that despite the bad news of our brokenness, our sin, despite the purifying, all-consuming fire of God's wrath and judgment, which is surely coming with the return of Jesus, God's news is greater because God's news is mercy. God's news is grace. God's news is hope and light and peace and joy. See, the thing about bad news and why we preach the truth of what's coming the thing about bad news is it makes the good news all the sweeter, doesn't it? Like the darkness that makes the light all the more bright. The seriousness of our sin and our sickness make the glory of our redemption and our hope all the more glorious. And the good news is that as long as we're breathing, as long as our heart is still beating, we can choose the good news. We can choose the light. We can choose Jesus. And so my final words to you this morning is, be a sheep, not a goat. Choose Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.